Welcome back to another episode of the Unhindered Podcast. The music's back again. I'm in spiritual teacher mode tonight. I got knocked off track again last week, well maybe the week before and then it got worse. I get comments frequently from clients or people who love my podcast or read read my books commenting on the energy that I bring to the table and the consistency of my work and contribution Um, but I do not consider myself a consistent human being I'm I'm far from it if you follow the cycle of my energy you will see both ends of the spectrum you'll see very high highs and and you'll see some deep lows and I was in one of those deep lows last week again I'd had some things really not work out. You've heard me talk about the fact I'm going to the US uh, this Sunday, taking Elliot with me. I, geez, I hope LeBron is going to get out of that moon boot in time. Bloody hell. Um, I might lose my mind if he's not playing. I'll probably lose my mind if he does play, so either way, I'm likely to lose my mind. Uh, it's going to be so exciting being in Staple, the Staples Centre arena, watching the Lakers do their thing and make me run for the playoffs. But I digress. Where, where was I up to? Oh, yeah. Going to the US on Sunday. Um, LA, Vegas. Speaking at a conference in Vegas. And look, I got invited to speak at this conference some time back. And hey, what a, what a treat to be invited to speak somewhere. But it wasn't quite enough to justify a trip to the US. And so when I got the invitation, I thought, look, I wonder what else I can coordinate while I'm over there to justify the trip. And so I reached out to a connection who I'd done a podcast with before who'd suggested that it would be great to run an event together if I ever happened to be in the area. So I said, look, turns out I'm in the States. Why don't we do something? He was very keen and we made plans and those plans looked good. And the thought of being able to pull together 100, 150 solo entrepreneurs, small business owners, leaders, uh, and run an event around how to be unhindered and overcoming the imposter syndrome Uh, the likelihood of me uh, being able to connect with people right in my target market and offer them my core offering and therefore uh, you know generate some some great work and and pick up some really great clients out of the back off the back of that seemed very real and so that was my pitch to Catherine to justify the financial outlay of the trip, um, not just for me, but to double their cost by bringing Elliot as well. And so I said, oh, it'll be a cinch. You know, this will work out really well. And uh, yeah, this will, this will more than pay for itself. So it's a no-brainer. So she signed off on that, felt uh, okay with my pitch. Uh, and then uh, to my great dismay in the last couple of weeks, uh, the communication broke down, I, and I, I was responsible. I, I made a mistake in the dates uh, in one of my emails that I later corrected, but it it set a trail of confusion uh, among us, and the net result was I got word that uh, we didn't have enough time anymore to pull off this event, and so it wasn't going to happen. And I've got flights booked and accommodation booked and an itinerary booked, and <laughs> and that was my plan to finance the trip. It, it really knocked the wind out of my sails. I, uh, you know, I just thought that's a disaster. That's the last thing I wanted to have happen. 
and so I, I kind of panicked for a day and then thought, right, well, it's not too late. I, I know plenty of people around the place and I'll reach out to all my network and see what I can pull together at last minute. Surely I can pull something together. So, so I did that, reached out, um, got connected with a bunch of people in Austin and, and zero uh, leads that led to anything. So um, a week out, I, I still don't have any plans for Austin. And, and then I had to break the news to Catherine. And uh, on, on top of that, we'd already had some significant financial challenges and outlays in that month. And, and then it had been a particularly quiet month in terms of new business. <laughs> and so, oh, it wasn't a fun conversation at all. And I'm an optimistic character. Um, you know, of course, I, I want to go to the US. That would be an exciting thing to do. So it doesn't take much justification in my mind to think that's a good idea uh, and then so I'm pitching to my wife off the back of my own interests uh, and then when it doesn't work out the way that I thought it would that's a bitter pill to swallow and I have to front up to that and have that conversation with her so it, it, it wasn't a great experience and she took it well and she's lovely and we had some honest conversations around how she felt about that and how she feels about my optimism at times and um, how difficult it is when I'm not in the real world. So that was all fair enough. And then on top of that, I'd, I'd had a partnership arrangement that I, I really had placed a lot of confidence and hope in driving some real growth to the business. And and I'd, I'd gone through the process of that partnership and it hadn't really generated anything. And I didn't envisage that would be possible. I just thought... It was, it was likely to be a real game changer for me. So it, I, I hit a, a really low point it, and got a bit dramatic using language like um, nothing is working. Uh, on top of that, I, uh, I had a big blow up with my daughter. Sometimes she's a passionate and fiery young lady with no reverse gear. So we bang heads at times. We're quite similar. And uh, she is particularly passionate about the state of the world, about justice, about equality. And, you know, being someone who is a few generations older, uh, she feels at times the need to school me on what's appropriate and not appropriate about how to even speak in the world today. And so there are times where she positions me as the enemy and, and talks to me like I am what's wrong with the world. And, and I will not I will not be positioned there. I am not what's wrong with the world. I bring healing energy to the world, and I know that. And so we went head to head in a really serious way off the back of me already being in a place of pain and frustration. And that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. And then I went and laid on the carpet. Uh, if, if ever Catherine finds me laying on the carpet, we have some nice plush carpet. When we built our house, the carpet layer sold us on this carpet by telling us it was the same carpet Guy Sebastian had laid in his lounge room or his bedroom. So that was enough for me. I, I love Guy. I still remember being very invested in that first season of Australian Idol. Uh, guy all the way. Didn't mind Shannon Oll either, but I was a Guy man from the start. Go the fro. So look, to have Guy Sebastian's carpet in my bedroom... 
and anyway it's nice to lay on at the best of times but it's it's kind of where i go if i'm in a bit of trouble if if i am in a poor state so Catherine came into the bedroom and there i am lying on the carpet so she knew that i was in trouble um so you know i i mentioned earlier that often i get comments about my energy and my consistency and I am not consistent but one of the things I do know about myself is that I I am very confident in my ability to reset and get back in the game and adjust my state I feel like at every point where it actually matters uh, I, I know how to access magic and, and reset and so I, I was flat and low and I thought right well this is not going to serve anybody I'm going to get back in the game. And so I I went to my go-to strategy at the moment, which is bare feet, nice grass, the local football oval. Every other bit of grass is dry around town except that oval at the moment. It's been well manicured. I grab a a coffee from the Coles service station. If you've not tried their coffee, could I – don't let me tell you what to do, by the way, but if I could make a recommendation, I, I think Coles have done something right. I don't know they do much right, I'm, and they're part of with Shell, and I, I kind of tend to think Shell is the devil. Um, I think I watched some documentary maybe 15 years ago that painted them in a bad light, and I've never got over it. So I don't really like buying petrol from Shell. And, you know, but anyway, I can't do 7-Eleven coffee anymore. I don't know what they've done. That's just deteriorated dramatically. But Coles, their blend of coffee, it's the best service station coffee by a long way. So anyway, I particularly enjoy that. It's only um, a couple of dollars, grab a coffee, go take my shoes off, wander around on the grass, and listen to some music or a podcast or an audio book, and I find I reset almost instantly. Just I'm, I, I'm grounded, that earthing practice. Um, I'm, I'm back. I know who I am and what I'm doing again when I'm on that grass. So I went and did that. Nothing still had the shits was still flat stuck felt alone and felt like nothing was working so i did that in the morning i went home at 11 a.m and just went to bed <laughs> like yeah, i'm just clocking off I, I can't i can't access what i need i mean i am in a bit of trouble right now as i was going to bed though i i caught sight of the two tattoos on my shins power and grace power on my left leg grace on my right uh, in the mirror as I was hopping into bed and some part of me said in a way that I heard loud enough to understand uh, Jamin you've you've got them around the wrong way right now and it kind of jolted me it piqued my interest what what does that mean because I was aware of what I was looking for in that moment i was quite aware of it i was very aware of the injustice of my situation that i had tried i'd been wholehearted i had done everything right i'd taken the right advice i'd put myself in the right position and yet things hadn't worked out the way that i wanted and i felt the injustice of that and so what i was looking for consciously and unconsciously was to be rescued honestly i was I, what I need right now is a miracle. What I need right now is someone somehow to reach out to me and to help me in my hour of need. I need help. I am stuck. I am lost. 
<laughs> poor me can somebody please throw me a bone that's that's where all my energy is focused I'm looking for grace I feel like what I need is grace I need resources from heaven I, I need something miraculous I need intervention into my difficult situation to, to pull me out of this and get me back on the path again and so I'm, I'm heading to bed and I just hear no that I think you've got that round the wrong way there's something off about what you're looking for and how you're understanding grace right now I didn't I didn't pursue that anymore but it was a thought that had entered my mind and my heart enough I thought I, that I'm interested I think there's something in that um, and then I was just kind of flicking through Instagram as I was going off to bed and I saw I saw a quote from Mark Manson I'm a big fan of Manson's work I, I think his his book The Subtle Art is one of the all-time greats it's it's on my most gifted and recommended book list uh, let me pull up his quote here so Mark says via Instagram I've found that feeling frustrated like nothing is working is usually where the biggest breakthroughs are born so that also piqued my interest and penetrated the veneer of my suffering didn't think more about it but went to sleep with those two ideas that frustration that nothing is working uh, is the scene for some potential breakthrough and that I had power and grace around the wrong way and I woke up and I was I slept okay uh, still in a, in a funk and I, I hadn't found what I needed and so I remember you know being in Canberra back in the day when I was studying at Bible College one of my mentors at the time always talked about he had different mountains around Canberra that he, he had different names for depending upon his level of desperation so he had the the hill of moderate desperation the hill of medium desperation and the hill of maximum desperation so depending on his level of need or angst or problem would determine which hill he chose to go up and reflect and pray and process and so i i had gone to the place of moderate desperation to reset which was the green oval and the coles coffee and it hadn't worked and so i had to up the ante and and go to maximum desperation so that that for me is to go to my favorite pub in town order a guinness a, a full pint of guinness and a bowl of hot chips that's that's my go that's 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 maximum desperation righto i'm serious now i gotta sort some stuff out so put my earphones in that's a, an important part of that process blank page nice pen guinness wetting the whistle some salty chips i do particularly like chips of all all varieties uh, and i opened my page and wrote nothing is working and then i just looked at the structure of that sentence and the nlp in me the questioning of deletions distortions generalizations couldn't go past that first word and then i just wrote nothing question mark and then then i started to reflect on power and grace i thought that's that's a good place to start um, I'm, yes i am very frustrated so okay i'm open to some breakthrough here but i'm going to start with with power and grace so what what helped me lean into that was just the 
consideration of my strategy and the fact that it wasn't working. And so if it wasn't working, I'm a pragmatic person, so I, I like to find things that work and to optimize the things that aren't working. So what I discovered as I reflected on it is that uh, I, I, in, in the moment of real struggling and suffering, what I, I do not need grace. That is not the way out. That's where I need power. That, that's the way out. That's the path. That's the breakthrough to go, I do not know what to do and I want to be rescued and I'm longing for mercy and miracle right now. That's the only solution to this problem because I've tried everything I know. And in that point, to then still look to power instead of grace. If, you, if you've heard me explain this before, power was written on my left leg. I'm right side dominant, and that's by design. My tendency is to shrink back. My tendency is to externalize, to blame, to settle. And so that's on my left leg to say, Jamin, step up, step up. Do not lose sight of the fact that you are an extraordinarily powerful human being. You could have whatever you want. And so that was... The instruction, Jamin, what do you want and what are you prepared to do about it? I'd, I'd, I love Derek Sivers' book, Anything You Want. That's been a particularly useful book over the years to me. And he talks about the fact that when you run your own business, you are in fact the king and queen of your own universe. So there are all kinds of rules about what you should and shouldn't do in business and all kinds of experts telling you what it is that is wrong and what you should do to fix it. However, when you run your own business, when you have stepped out on your own and brought something into being that is out of your own essence, it is yours. And in fact, you can do it however you like. What do you want? What are you prepared to do about it? And so it was a beautiful chance to reflect on, okay, Jamin, you your tendency is still to defer to someone else's wisdom your tendency is to still assume there must be something wrong that you don't know what to do that you need someone smarter than you to tell you how to fix this challenge in your business right now that's not it that that's not what's going on here here is an opportunity for you to dive into your own resourcefulness and be very clear about what you want and what you are prepared to do about it and so I went through all the latest advice I'd been given around what needs to be changed and what the focus is and what the strategy is and the most believable plan, and I changed it. Because in my own experience, it's not what I would do. So if it's not working anyway, well then, I may as well do it the way I want to do it. So I, I rethought my whole strategy. Even though I've rebranded everything and updated the website, I thought it's not, it's not the way that I would like it yet. It's really close. The advice is great. The advice might be really close, but it is not the advice for me. And, and I will be my own advice giver right now. So I, I reached into my own being and I accessed power. I accessed strength that I did not think was there. And that's the point. That, that's the gift in those moments. Because if I get given grace and mercy and a miracle there, then I actually miss an opportunity to discover who I really am and what I'm made of. I think the real point of grace is that grace shows up as a beautiful surprise, not because you need it, but just because it's available. I'd, I'd been reading... Uh, John Maddox's book, uh, What Remains to be Discovered. 
And you might have heard me say a couple of weeks ago that if I wasn't a life coach, I'd be a geologist. Well, look, if the life coaching thing doesn't work out and geology turns out to not be a viable career choice either, I'm going to be a cosmologist. The, the origin of the, the cosmos, <laughs> it, it blows my mind. I, I cannot get enough of it. And so I'm, I'm reading this book talking about the origin of the universe and and uh, let me read to you this this sentence because it stopped me in my tracks and like don't think i've lost sight of the power and grace thing this I'm, I'm telling you this for a reason so hang in there stay tuned uh, so how did the universe come into being since about 1960 the answer has been clear in many people's mind until about 10 or 20 billion years ago there was nothing not even empty space now just a quick aside um, what happened in 1960 well hubble is it greg hubble is it terry hubble barry hubble rubble hubble oh, someone hubble uh, had a telescope and it was the most powerful telescope in the history of telescopes and he looked d- deeper into space than had ever been looked into space before and he discovered something very fascinating and that was that galaxies were moving away from each other and he realized that space is expanding the universe is getting bigger and so the implication of that was well hang on a minute if we can track how far away this is moving and how fast it is moving we could press rewind and and reverse this and and watch this go back the other way and if it's going back the other way so it's contracting rather than expanding well ultimately it will contract back to a point so now we have an idea that the universe started from a single point of origin so that was fascinating to me and i i had to do that aside so uh 10 or 20 billion years ago there was nothing not even empty space then sprang into being a tiny gradual of space filled with such a huge amount of energy that it produced a hundred billion stars in the milky way it it kind of reminded me of the the beginning of the bible genesis 1 1 in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and you're like wait what what happened there was nothing oh and then then there was a being a tiny gradual that contained all the energy and matter of the cosmos and it was so full of energy that in the heat and then it blew up and expanded and that was the big bang so there was nothing and then there was something doesn't even make any sense (laughs) but that's the best answer anyone's got so you got the spiritual version of it which is pretty similar like it's just as abstract there was nothing and then all of a sudden God brought it into being, so now there's something. Science is is just as fanciful. There was nothing, then there was something. Okay, all right. We know a lot about the next part of the process because we can see it and track it, but how did it start? So I got lost in thinking about that. I, I often get lost going outside just looking at the stars and just or looking at the moon and, and considering my life in the context of the cosmos and just... The size of it blows my mind. Uh, but but the point of why I'm telling you all this in the context of power and grace, because I kind of thought about this this impact, this beginning, this inception point, and whatever was in that tiny 
granule of energy that exploded at the inception point. It had both power and grace in it. And the universe is filled with power and grace. It has been and always will be. You, you look around at the wonder of creation, the, the ridiculous beauty, the wonder of art and music, the magic of being alive, life itself. Life is both power and grace. There's nothing missing from that. Grace is already here. It's already inbuilt. Provision is already there. You already, I already have all that we need for an extraordinary experience. Our needs are taken care of. We open our mouth and draw in oxygen that is provided for us. We look to the earth that produces food. Rain falls from the sky. We are sustained and nurtured by the grace of the universe. We don't need anything more. Grace is about discovering what is already there, not because you need it, but because it is already inbuilt. Power is about accessing what is already there too. And it is so easy to miss both of them. It is so easy to be completely oblivious to who you really are and what you have access to in terms of your own capacity, in terms of your own strength. On top of reading this book and going to my mountain of maximum desperation, drinking Guinness, eating chips, reflecting on power and grace, I also was, I'd just finished reading Brian Cranston's autobiography and he was a beautiful story. He's an amazing man and great storyteller and I do love Breaking Bad. And so uh, when I got to the end of his book, all, all that was left to do was to go and watch Breaking Bad again. And I, I love that series. I, I think it rates the old, as the all-time greatest TV series in the history of the world. Um, but you, you see a man, um, make of him what you will and, and his decisions around what he does, but you see a man find power. You see a powerless man a, a weak man, an insignificant man on his on the road to death who decides that's not going to work for him and he won't just fade out. Uh, he's going to take matters into his own hands and alter the destiny of his life. Uh, and, and it's an extraordinary depiction of power. And I, it, it inspires me to find power in myself. It's, it's why I've got it tattered on my leg. I'm, I've watched Anthony Robbins' I'm Not Your Guru three or four times. It moves me to tears every time. When Tony, big Tony, comes out on the stage at the start of his date with destiny, five-day extravaganza in Florida, and he beats his chest and he says, See this guy? I built this motherfucker. It's, it's a profound experience of power. Whatever you want to make of him, you cannot deny that he has accessed extraordinary resourcefulness within himself. He's clear about what he wants and he has found a way to bring that into existence. And so me as well, in my moment of desperation, my moment that nothing is working, oh, I need a miracle. Jamin, you do not need a miracle. All the miracle has already been here. The miracle of life, the miracle of provision, the miracle of love, the miracle of resourcefulness has already been given you. Everything you need, that is grace all around you and you can't even see it. The other thing you can't see is power, but that is your job right now, to dive into power. And so it was a beautiful experience drawing all those threads together uh, and then writing to myself around who I am and simplifying my whole offering, coming back to the idea that I am a writer. 
That's my central organizing principle. I speak about what I write. I then coach about the principles I've taught people through my writing. But primarily, I am a writer and everything is organized off the back of that. In the midst of this, I pitched my my book again more uh, completely. I just pitched a simple concept of it to the publisher um, maybe a month ago, and then the invitation was to really put some thought into structuring that book and convince them why they should take it on. And so I did that, Midlife Motivation, Upgrading from Self-Discipline to Self-Permission. And I, I got the response back this week too. It's a hard no. We, we can't, we don't see how that book would, would actually work. Um, so no. And in the context of my discoveries about myself, it was so cool watching that experience. And it was one of those times where I thought to myself, gee, it would be useful to be more insecure right now. Because an insecure person would be offended by that response. And that offense would be powerful to them. It would drive them to go, right, I'll show you. You'll regret the day you rejected me. Oh, this will be a horrible mistake. Everyone's going to laugh at you when this book goes to number one bestseller and you had the opportunity to publish it and you didn't. You miss it. Oh, you idiot. <laughs> that's that's the energy of insecurity. Prove and defend. But I couldn't access any of that when I got the rejection letter saying, no, Jamin, we, we don't want it. Because um, all I had there was power and grace. I'm a writer and writers write. And, and I like the idea. I, I think it's one of my most important contributions to the conversation around people working out the game of life especially at the midlife season so i'll write that book and i'll and i'll write it well i'll write it with purity in my heart not writing with an edge not writing it to prove that it's a good book i already know it's a good book i already know who i am and what i'm doing so that that was lovely and so it might mean the book comes out a little bit later because there's a little bit light, less time pressure, but it'll come out when it comes out and it will be good. The final confirmation of all the power and grace discovery and reflection was a Facebook memory that popped up from this time in 2016. And I'd written on my Facebook page, just because you need something doesn't mean you'll get it. Just because you hope for something doesn't mean it will work out. Just because you try hard doesn't mean you'll succeed. Life doesn't respond to justice. Life responds to desire, commitment, creativity, resourcefulness, flexibility, resilience, and inexorability. You've got to know exactly what you want. Then you've got to, then you've got to be willing to adapt, grow, and change to become the kind of person who has access to these kind of results without giving up. So I'm back. I'm back in the game. I'm back in a beautiful space everything's going to be okay opportunities are opening up again i'm very confident that the us will be an extraordinary experience and whatever will happen will be for my benefit and i'll access power and grace in the states so i'm fine i'm back in the game at least for now anyway until i'm knocked off course again and then i'll find a way to get back on track it is just so useful to understand that course correction is a central part of being a successful human being the aim of the game is not to be on track 100% of the time. That is not success. That is impossible. You wouldn't want that even if you could have it. There's no fun in that. The real fun is being bumped off course by things that are unpredictable, that are not in your expectation, and then working out how to get back to the space, to, to find flow, to find life again. 
Uh, so just to wrap up, you might have seen the title of this podcast being around the only thing to fear is fear itself and wondering we haven't spoken about that yet. So let me speak about that to bring it all to conclusion. I listened to Joe Rogan interview Russell Brand. I I have a you know, love-hate relationship with that podcast. I, I do rate Joe Rogan. I, I think he is an exceptional man and I mean he's a he's a wild bit of gear at the same time he's a comedian who does a lot of drugs who loves MMA and, and so he's not beholden to anyone he's his own man and and has a bunch of strange ideas as well so I'm not suggesting that he he speaks truth about everything but I am I am convinced he his voice his voice and his platform um I think it's probably the most important voice and platform of truth and discourse and conversation and awareness and consciousness uh, on the planet at the moment. And the kind of people that come on his show and the kind of conversations he have, even though they're long-winded and and messy at times, I I can't see anything that rivals that for... uh, I place so I find great hope and comfort from the work that he does. Um, so anyway, it's been a while since I'd, I'd listened. I'd, I'd tried a few and gone. Oh, I can't get into this. This is going. This is so slow and long-winded and there's a bunch of horseshit you got to wade through to find the gold. But then one of my friends had sent me a link to this episode with Russell Brand and suggested that I listen to it. I do love Russell. Um, he, he is a force of nature. Um, the most articulate and verbose man that is, that is alive. His vocabulary is extraordinary. He's probably unrivaled. Uh, and so if, if you ever listen to this episode, uh, just a word of warning, do not press two, two times speed. It will, it will melt your brain. There's so much content and it's all confronting and alarming and at a high level of intelligence it's being delivered and spoken about. But anyway, so they're talking about the state of the world and processing the COVID season and um, just the mess of the last couple of years and how we got there and where we're going and uh, covering a whole range of topics. And then Russell was just talking about what happens when we get scared. That, and when when we're scared, we do hope to be rescued. And, and more than that, we're even, we're even okay to be controlled. We just want someone to come and tell us what to do when... When we're scared, we want someone to take control. And so when we're scared, we're susceptible to to being led astray. And, and in many cases, that was the experience of COVID. We were open to being told what to do without thinking and to assume that every, every all of our best interests were being thought of at all times when they were, there's no way. So uh, I was... I, one of the, the all-time great quotes around fear is from FDR, Franklin D. Roosevelt, who was the American president at the height of the Depression. And he rallied his people, rallied the Americans when they were at a time of great suffering and hardship and stirred them to find faith in themselves again and, and said, look, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And that rings true for me. That's very a very meaningful idea. I lay awake thinking about the state of the world. I feel I feel morally responsible to do whatever I can to contribute to the future, to a viable future, to a sustainable future, to a, an equitable future for all people. 
And I'd say the only thing we have to fear is fear itself because when we're scared, we get led astray. When we're, when we're scared, we have people who can get away with anything. And if they can get away with anything, uh, financial systems are, are destructive. They are corrupt. They are greedy. They are self-driven. They are not sustainable. It's progress for progress' sake. They, they are not fair. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. We will continue to suffer. So the hope for the planet comes back to people being secure. The point of my my bringing this quote up is to say, it is your work, it is your responsibility to eradicate fear from your life. That is your contribution. You might feel small and insignificant. What can I do? I reckon we've all had moments where we consider recycling and we look at the impact our, you know, washing a plastic bowl and putting it in the right recycling bin has on the the state of the world when corporations are polluting rivers and raping forests how does one extra bit of plastic that gets recycled then does it even get recycled does it just get dumped in landfill anyway because the the system's inefficient so what could i even do that could make a difference to the planet could i do anything yeah absolutely you can your most important contribution is to deal with fear is to not show up scared you show up scared, you're in danger of being led astray and leading others astray, creating hysteria, groupthink, being unreflective, having no self-awareness, being, being tribal, being a sheep, going back to sleep. That's dangerous for you and for the world. Your responsibility is to eradicate fear, show up secure with nothing to prove and nothing to defend. Then you get access to rational thinking, to to goodness to kindness to objectivity to pragmatism and you get to make a difference well you do make a difference you show up differently the energy you bring the life the love your decision making the way you are the person you are uh, impacts the planet i'm going to leave it there i've enjoyed our conversation i hope you have uh not sure if I'll speak to you next week. I'll be in the US, so I'll take my microphone with me. Um, but it's likely there might be a gap between now and the next podcast, so stay tuned. Bye for now.